Coyote Edelstein here, your celeb expert and your celeb savant. Celeb Savant is a weekly entertainment show. We have long-form career retrospective type interviews with celebrities, singers, actors, and industry experts. Growing up in Molepolole, a rural village in Botswana, Tao has made his way up the music industry's ladder. Influenced by his childhood exposure to Kwasa Kwasa, Kwaito Jazz, Reggae, House Music, Soul Candy, Sade, and Bob Marley, Tao began DJing at 14 and has gone on to make a local and international impact as both a producer and composer. Moving to South Africa, Tao's accolades so far include his debut single with Stereo T being released by the global powerhouse Get Physical. His next big hit, People of Sham, was number one on TrackSource charts for six weeks straight and was added to Black Coffee's personal track ID playlist, which he played on stages across the world. His single Ashra was then selected alongside Dakapo's song as one of the only two African representatives on Aluku Records' first global compilation. Most recently, Universal Music chose him and the Dutch legend Gregor Salto to craft the first ever remix package of the great Brenda Farsi's Vulindledla. Up next on Celebs Vant, we've got Tao. Where do we find you in the world? How are you doing and what's happening in your life? Brad, thank you for having me on your show. Like I said, it's an honor, man, and I appreciate the time. I am currently in Seoul, South Korea, on tour, performing some gigs, spreading my music. Let's rewind all the way back to the beginning. So at what age did you realize, okay, cool, I want to be doing production, doing music, and how did that journey accumulate to where we are today? I started off um standard way a student would trying to go to university to finish a degree and i kept missing classes and exams because i was up the whole night making music and eventually i just i said you know what i'm just gonna go where my heart is clearly i'm resonating with the music and it's drawing me there so dropped out of school and i went to study music composition at a school called emendi in victoria where i learned to write music and score and do studio work. And from there, I went to be mentored by Ryan Murgatroyd, who is actually a maestro at music composition and production. I was very lucky to spend three years with him. And because it was COVID, we were just locked in our studio together. And I absorbed a lot of knowledge that led me to have the skills I possess today to be able to create such remixes like the Mangrove Home Talk Remix and Composed for brands at Grid Worldwide, where I work. Tell us about the name, Tao. Where does it come from? Why did you choose that? So it resonates deeply with me because my real name is Hamza, which in Arabic translates to lion. In Botswana, they'd call me Tao growing up, which is a Setswana word for lion. And so I chose to use it for my musical alias um, so I can draw courage from the name whenever I'm in fear or doubt of myself. I just look back at my name. Ah, that's I love that. So is the Home Talk the first remix that you've done for another artist? And how did that collaboration come to be? Three months ago, I just released official remix of Brenda Fuzz's song, Bulindlela, which is one of her biggest songs. So Universal Music approached me and said, we're throwing you a bone, we've got two weeks, can you pull off this remix? exciting part is that the exact same recordings were given to Major League 
DJs, Major Laser, uh, who Diplo is a part of that trio, and the legend Gregor Salto from Amsterdam, an iconic house artist. And we all remixed Fulindlela. My remix sits within that package. Um, I was able to pull it off, and that was the first iconic remix I did for South African artists. Uh, it was a great honor. And after 608 witnessed me doing this, I went ahead to uh, reach out to Gala Records to find a song that we could release on Youth Day. And so they gave us a list. And when we looked at Home Talk and the story behind Home Talk, it was a perfect fit. And so I got the stems from Gala Records, which they had to convert from analog to digital, literally. Um, took the old tape recordings, converted it to digital, just for me to remix it, which was felt really special, to be honest, to be, uh, for them to have gone through all of that just for me. And so then I began processing the tracks and started interpreting in my own way. And yeah, so that was the first step. To convert from dig- uh, analog to digital, is that a long process? Is it a ma- massive undertaking? What is the difference between analog and digital? Analog is literally the magnetic tape, uh, which they would record on back in the day before they had the easy way of making music. But we do on our computers, they were running it on finite tape. So if that ran out, they had to buy some more. The funny thing about tape is as time goes on, it starts to deteriorate. So um, they were able to convert it to digital while the quality was still maintained. And um, it's a very classic way of recording, which doesn't exist uh, anymore, well, in our world, at least, as producers in the modern age. And so that's the difference, whereas digital is on our computer, able to cut and edit at will as many times as we want. And that gives us freedom and ease of making music that the likes of Mango Group did not have. So when I got those stems, I realized that, wow, this was actually a live jam session of them recording in studio. And they had to get it right in that recording. And you could feel the organic authenticity in these recordings. It was not a computerized um, standard recording that was perfectly on time. It was waving in and out of time. And so it was quite a challenge for me to work it and turn it into a different tempo, let alone a whole other genre. You mentioned that those tapes don't withstand time. So would recordings now that are digital last long, much longer potentially because they are digital? Yeah. yeah. I mean, the only thing that could deteriorate the digital quality or, or make you lose it is if the file gets corrupted or you yes. lose your hard drive or you backed it up on. But we've got limitless ways of backing things up now. So it's foolproof. You know, we are very lucky. I always tell artists that it's a privilege to be able to make music the way we do. We're spoiled. Speaking of that, I mean, maybe this is pre your time, but back in the day, we had the physical. We've got vi- we had vinyls, cassettes, CDs, as in the listening audience and how we consumed music. Those are making a massive comeback. I don't know, I'm not sure if you know, vinyls last year in the UK alone had 5.5 million sales, the biggest sales since 1990. CDs are making a comeback, so cassettes. But then we have the streaming platforms whereby people are listening to music as well. What are your thoughts of the way people consume music now compared to back in the day when it was just physical? I don't think we have the appreciation that people back in the day had 
because it's so easily accessible as opposed to going into a store, physically buying this record and taking it home with you. Mm. Um, if the vinyl broke or you lost it, it was gone. So when you held on to that, that song, you know, you, you could feel it. It was in the magnetic tape, like embedded in that vinyl. So that's very auspicious. I'm glad it's making a comeback because I want to feel the music and hold on. So in fact, my first influences were CDs. I collected mass amount of CDs from the Soul Candy days. One of my biggest influences is the Soul Candy compilations that they were releasing. I would wait in the store musica for them to, to hopefully uh, be released yeah. at the stores near me. Sometimes it would take longer than expected, but eventually I'd find the CD I wanted and take it home with me, put it in the car or you know, the CD player and get excited and press play. I miss that excitement. There's something um, so special about that that we just don't have. No, as nice as it is to pop on Spotify and find every song available, it's kind of it's losing its, its suspiciousness. And yeah. The music is so readily available. It's such a large quantity. So it's, it's hard to um, focus on tracks you know, because you just get distracted with the next release and the next release. And every day you look online and 10,000 songs released. So it's, uh, it's a challenge now to make your music stand out, actually. You've got to be more creative. I still have that experience because I still get my CDs. I budget for a certain amount of CDs every month. Obviously, we don't have a CD store in South Africa anymore, so I get it, have to get it from overseas. And that joy of getting it and ripping it open and like, ah, I'm like, ah, I can't wait to play this. And it becomes a whole experience and whole journey. And I think you're my like 130th inter- interview so far. And what a lot of artists have said is that music is like, ah, you know, on Spotify, ah, I don't feel like listening to us two minutes in, one minute in, like just skip, skip, skip. Whereas if you've got, you've paid that energy exchange, you've paid that investment, it allows you to focus on it and have it that whole experience. So I'm glad that, I'm also glad, even though I've never moved away or deviated from the physical, I'm glad that it's making a comeback, which is super cool. The intention for Home Talk was inspired for Youth Day in South Africa, what drew you to Home Talk specifically? I know you said you had a list of other songs, but what was it about Home Talk specifically that called to you? I'm a rebel at heart. And when I look at Mango Group, their very existence is rebellion against the apartheid regime, which stopped white and black musicians working with each other, or even performing with each other. So they're, they're, like I said, the very existence was going against a very powerful opposition. And so when they made the song Home Talk, it was to honor the homecoming of the exiled people that kicked out of South Africa for their various uh, opposing political views or just their color. And um, I said, you know, the song stood for something. And our generation are making music. They're making music just to build their Instagram following or build their Spotify numbers. But these people made music to change generation and make them think differently and feel differently and, and enforce change in them. So I'm like, damn, I wanna I wanna have that kind of power with my music. I wanna be able to make a change in people's consciousness with the song. So I chose this track for us as six or eight, you know, made a collective decision. Six oh eight uh being the live experience, uh, experiential division of Grid Worldwide, whether we're using music, fashion, art, creativity. Uh, we do everything with meaning. We don't just put out work. We, we find layered depth in everything we do. So 
um, they they actually pushed me also towards this that I should you know follow through with this record because it has great meaning, great purpose, and now I'm seeing the fruits of it. And what's next for your journey? You're busy doing uh, touring in South Korea. What's the dream? What's the next steps? All right, it's such an exciting time in my career. I've got a lot brewing in terms of really big records, which we've already tested out globally. The likes of Black Coffee and Shinza are dropping these songs. I'm looking at the videos for them of them playing it for thousands of people in the likes of Ibiza, you know, Tulum, Bali, Morocco, Spain. If I show you the videos, it's just quite inspiring. So these songs are yet to be released. Uh, I have a song with Nark Music and produced by myself and Kususa, a duo. We've just made a hit song recently with Zakes Bantwini called Asanda. That's top radio charts. And um, that song is yet to drop. So I'm hoping the music can lead me to go and visit other countries and perform and tour um, as my fan base grows globally. Currently, there's my music's playing in over like 140 countries just on Spotify alone. So I'm looking to visit the countries where my music is playing and, and physically play my own music with these people. So that is my goal. The difference between doing a remix for a song that's already been, like the Mango Groove song, and then creating a new song from scratch. How is that for you? It's very daunting to rework a classic song that has been a hit because you have to live up to the standard. You have to maintain the memorabilia and the sentiment behind it and make Mm -hmm. sure you contain that feeling while reinterpreting it. It's a responsibility. It's an honor. It's a task at hand. When creating a fresh song, you have all more freedom to just explore the ideas and just create from your heart instantaneously without uh, much overthinking or there's not so much stress behind it <laughs> as well and the pressure isn't as much so it's, it's it is a more organic process when it comes to making a song from scratch so it's more like a blank canvas whereas if you're Precisely. doing a remix you've already got the painting and it's sort of like a paint by number <laughs> so to speak <laughs> exactly okay. spot on now. So I know if I had to ask you this next question in four days, four hours, four minutes, four weeks, I recognize that your answer will be different every single time I ask you this question, and I understand that. I'm not necessarily saying favorite, but if you had to push play to five songs by other artists once we'd finished this conversation, what would those five songs be and by whom? That's a saucy question, sir, (laughs) with limitless answers. Man, I'm looking for a music that is fresh, that is different. Even though I make house music, I, I'm going back in time to reminisce on the likes of Miles Davis. You know, yeah. I am uh, finding new artists from places in strange remote areas, like a village in Botswana. Some guy sent me a song, DJ Kaz. For instance, it's a beautiful record. I'm finding a Korean K-pop song, which inspires me by BTS right now. I heard a track and I, I never understood what the whole hype is about, but I heard a fantastic song recently. And second of all, my own music. I sit sometimes and just listen to the music you see out on my Spotify channels. It's just the tip of the iceberg. I'm sitting on massive catalog of music that I'm currently producing. And I am also a huge fan of Shade, Bob Marley. Yes. 
the podcast is listened to throughout the world. So as a final message to the listening audience, what would you like to say? I would reiterate the message that 608 and I have pushed with the song that creates with the cause beautiful change with your music because art um, can revolutionize a whole generation. It can redefine our environment, our destiny. Don't underestimate it. It's, it's the most powerful tool we have right now. 